0: I mean, it's putting it in a balloon,
1: like a regular, like water fountain balloon, like the for the water balloons. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I tried a couple different ones, choked a couple times trying to get it down. Because so there was a couple times like I had to go to court, so I'm like, all right, let me get this tobacco and shit ready, Vaseline, get it wet, make sure it's not too big so you don't choke and fucking swallow them. You know, the worst part is when it comes out, having to get the gloves and go through it and.
1: So you swallow it and then you just poop it out? Yeah. Does it ever get stuck or it always comes out? It's
0: always going to come out eventually. I think I've lost a bag once or twice.
1: Welcome back to the Locked In with Ian Bick podcast. On today's episode, we have Chad Harlan here to explain how he used to smuggle in contraband into a county jail using balloons. Thank you guys so much to everyone who tagged me and their Spotify wrapped up last week. It was absolutely amazing seeing all of you guys that were showing off how I was one of the top podcasts that they listened to. Whether you're in the top 1%, 5%, 10%, 20%, I owe you guys the world. We have grown so much in just 11 months. And to be a top podcast on Spotify, it really is amazing. And it means the absolute world that you guys take time Out of your day once a week or twice a week if you're listening and watching both episodes to tune into this show. So excited for this next upcoming year. We have a lot of big things in the works. I was just with Chevy Chase and Sylvester Stallone this weekend in Philly. Got some exciting events I'm going to in the coming weeks. And, you know, hopefully we keep networking and and keep getting some really big guests that we have in the works for 2024. Also want to give a huge shout out to Spotify for allowing us to now have video on all of our episodes. So if you are one of our Spotify listeners, you now have access to view the full video episodes in the app while you're watching the show. Thank you guys again from the bottom of my heart. We're really making a lot of changes in this world because of the show and we're helping a lot of people. Sit back, relax, and get ready to lock in with Chad Harlan. Chad, welcome to Locked In, man. Pleasure to have you today. I'm here. Thank you. Thank <laughs> Just, you for the invite. Of course, man. Just got the whole play by play of how you came on the show. Shout out to your uh, your brother. Yeah, right? Shout out, Duncan. <laughs> Let's go.
0: Here we are.
1: Awesome, man. So, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? What's like early childhood like?
0: Jersey Shore, like the real Jersey Shore. None of that funny MTV situation <laughs> snooky shit. Like Belmar, <laughs> Asbury Park. Neptune, you know, Monmouth County, Jersey Shore on the beach, Um, small towns, all towns like one mile by one mile own police force. Grew up with a bunch of kids that I've known my whole life. You know what I mean? I I take that for advantage because I don't realize people don't have the same friends for 20, 30 years. Like all the kids I'm friends with with now, I've been friends with since the sandbox. (laughs) Like I've known them my whole life. So it was pretty crazy. Um live with my mom and my grandma, you know, not poor, not rich, you know, middle class. Grew up causing trouble, chaos. Like, so it's a beach town. Benny's come down in the summer. Um, had fun doing that, running around with them. We'd end up on their porches, stealing kegs, drinking with them. And then it would get to the point where, as we got older, we're walking around just, like, causing trouble, fighting with them. Like, that was the thing. Like, who could knock out the most bennies in a weekend or during the week, snatching chains, like, dumb shit, going to DJs, pulling their girls, bringing them back to our house, getting them all coked up for the weekend, dogging them out, and then sending them back to their boyfriends. A lot of chaos running around.
1: Do you think if you had a father figure, you wouldn't have gotten involved into this?
0: So that's one thing I noticed early on. Like my whole group of friends, like none of us had father figures. So like we connected with each other, and then the streets. It's, it's very possible. I I don't know. Maybe I don't think I was running away from anything. I just you know I think we enjoyed having fun and. That's how we found ways to have fun was, you know, out there drinking, smoking pot. It was
1: a good time. Where was your dad? Did you ever meet him?
0: So, shit, that's pretty wild, too. So (laughs) my grandparents must have, I think they owned a bar in Belmar back in the day before I was born. My father, my mom must have been a side piece. So he was married and had kids and then. I, she must have got knocked up, kept the baby. Here I am. I don't know much about what's going on. My mom didn't really talk about it. And then we moved to Spring Lake Heights. which is all little towns, but it's only two towns over. So I ended up going to school with my brother that's in the same grade. So she had to, like, break it all down to me. Like, this is what's happened. Got introduced to him. Met everybody else. My father came around a couple times at, I mean how old am I now At this point? point Fifth, sixth grade probably Twelve, thirteen years old When I finally meet him So it was a little weird But I was like alright you know, Let me give this dude a chance Hanging out with him um, Then started drinking and smoking pot with him A couple of times I hung out with him But he was a super good dude um, People loved him Stevie Wonder was his nickname I guess he used to hang out with Bruce a lot This boy. So I have that like whole estranged side of the family. Everybody's cordial, very nice, but we don't speak much.
1: You know who you look like? Who do
0: I look like? Logic. Logic. I used to like, people, I had him on here. People huh?
1: tell me that I look like Logic, but you really look like, you have like the facial features and the glasses. Do you get that at all? I don't. I rap better than him, though. So yeah, you look like Logic. And then um, Shay and our video guy said you look like Macklemore, too. Macklemore. <laughs> Macklemore <laughs> Rapp, Logic. I rap both, better than
0: both of them. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> and you got the voice, kind of, too, a little bit.
0: Yeah, that was, music was always big in my life, too, um, you know. Growing up, listening to hip hop, um, rapping on the corners and the porches, always played a big part of my life. Did sports, basketball, football, surfing, but I was always more, you know, worried about hanging out with my friends or what I was going to miss out on.
1: How would your friends describe you back then? If we had them here today, if we had like your best friend from high school here
0: r.i.p to all three of them you know they I mean, all passed yeah oh man yeah. three kids i was probably closest to with me every day of my life from you know? drugs yeah you know, andrew dane tyler sylvester kareem tillman and Quran. sorry i don't know your middle name ferrara <laughs> aka bones yeah i mean a loose cannon you know wild uh life of the party you know just wanted to have fun and enjoy myself but you know wanted to be left alone wanted no drama but if drama came for us I was the first one that set it off you were down for the cause yeah absolutely did
1: you use drugs with those friends all of them yeah so do you ever feel bad or do you ever reflect that they (sighs) passed and not you
0: I think about that shit all the time like it really does bother me
1: that's gotta fuck with you yeah it really
0: does I guess like regular shit growing up um, smoking weed drinking beer ecstasy a little cocaine. I don't know if it's regular. It was regular to us. This is like 15, 16 years old. And where we, we live, so it's like you got Belmar, then you got like Seagirt, you got all these towns that are a little higher class, wall township with kids that were scared to go and cop. So it was always a quick way to make some money. We ended up with a connect at, like, 15 years old on Riverview Drive in Harlem for, like, ounces of Ari for $50. When we first start going up there, like, these projects, probably 20 floors, you walk up to the seventh floor, never take the elevator, always the stairs, gotta take the stairs, and you just walk in. A little note on the bed, don't sit on the bed. Sometimes there's other people sitting in there, sometimes there's not. You wait there about five minutes... Tony would come in. What you need? Do do do. Leave. Come back. Take the meat scale off the fridge. Weigh everything out in front of you. You'd pay him, and then you'd be on your way. But we were so young. He would get on his walkie-talkie and he would walk us downstairs. And wh- where the, you know wherever you drive, you know those project's right there. It's like right Jersey. Right, no, this, oh. so this is Harlem. Harlem, so right I'm, where the G Dub is. Not a city boy, really.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: So he would walk us downstairs, a car would pull up, our car would get behind it, it would stop. We had all the weed stuffed in basketballs. Pop the engine, put the weed in the engine in the basketball, bust the left right on the G-dub, back home, and we're selling those for like $200 and getting them for $50. We're getting, we're making a lot of money. It was pretty fucking wild. And then the Coke gets involved, 22 a gram, getting ounces, I think that was like eight something, coming back, making two racks off that. So we we always wanted to keep the party going. It was never about, like, we weren't, like, focused on making a lot of money. Like, we should have been a lot smarter, but we (laughs) We were worried about having fun and, like, fucking bitches. Like, Yeah, you know, I mean,
1: what, what teenage guy doesn't want to do that?
0: That's what we wanted to do.
1: Do you end up graduating high school? I did. Do you yeah. go to college?
0: No college. Um, straight to the streets. Straight to the streets. So I was I was like, booted out of high school. Uh, Wall High School. <laughs> fuck, fuck that school. Uh, it was... So back then, like, you know, I'm coming in freshman year, goggles on my head, size 40 pants.
1: What do you mean, goggles? So, like, the, like the ski goggles. Why like are that, you wearing goggles?
0: that was the thing. That like, was the style, Yeah, like DMX, though. Jada Kiss. Like, this is what they were rocking, Rough Riders. Oh, man. It, yeah, it was crazy. Like, I look at pictures back then with these size 40 and five double X, XTs, white Ts. Like, it was, was like, <laughs> it looked so wild. <sighs> but, so, people are looking at me like, who the fuck is this kid, son? And I just went in with a bad attitude, fighting, talking shit. So, I got booted by... And I went to like one of those special alternative schools, Oakwood. Shout out them; that was a great school. Teachers, my teachers were a blessing. So my diploma says well, High School," but I didn't really participate in high school. You know, we smoking cigarettes at Oakwood. You know, sitting with the teachers.
1: Did you have aspirations at all, or were you just trying to like get through each day? I mean, so
0: thought I was going to be a famous rapper, and I was like, you know, that was the goal. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, besides that. Not really, you know. Just wanted to make it to the next day, get some bread, have some nice Nikes on, and a pretty chick on my side. <laughs> and how was your relationship
1: with your mother after high school? So my mother was my number one. Like,
0: I always mean, I people always say I had a lot of potential, and uh, probably let the drugs get in the way. I wasn't very focused. just wanted to, focus, but. She always held me down, no matter how much stress I caused on her or how much chaos I brought to the house. She always held me down, you know, locked up, commissary, um, halfway houses, putting my phone in the coffee, sending it into me. She was my number one. She was big reason of why I ended up getting clean. Because um, Let's rewind a little bit before we get there because we'll explain all that and then how that happened. So I guess we'll – you want to get into how –
1: Would you say all of your addiction or or would you say all of your arrests were caused from addiction?
0: (laughs) They had something to do with it, but even if it was like drinking in public or like yeah, fight, alcohol was involved, there was always probably, yeah. There
1: like, was always a substance. Yeah,
0: there was always a substance involved, in, you know, me not making a right decision.
1: Now, I was reading that you've been arrested like over 50 times. Oh, it's been like 52 times, yeah. Dude, like, that's insane. Yeah. Are they all felonies? No, no, no.
0: <laughs> no, most of them are like petty bullshit. And then there was some serious shit that got dropped. Yeah, my lawyer, every time we meet someone new, he's like, How many times you've been arrested? How many times you've been arrested? I bet all three of you don't match the times he's been arrested.
1: And when was the first time you were arrested?
0: Shit.
1: Like actually arrested? handcuffed? Sent to to jail maybe? Well, youth house. Okay.
0: So some kids on the beach. um, I walked up to the Dunkin' Donuts. They were counting money. Just snatched it, mushed them, walked away. We went found a bar buy us some alcohol. We got a dub, went to the woods, smoked it. Well, let's not go back to the beach, guys. They're like, I'm right, going back to the beach. Walked back up to the beach. Cops hop out. It was like a prosecutor's son and like a chief of police or something from up north somewhere. Yeah. Straight to the youth house.
1: Wow. Yeah. So wh- when does your addiction really get bad?
0: So that gets bad... No, you know, no problem. I mean, I guess there was a problem because I'm getting arrested all these times for drinking, but I didn't think there was an issue. I'm making decent money selling the weed and the Coke party, and now my plug, I had a plug down in town for the Coke. It was a little more expensive, but I didn't have to take the ride to the city for it. He kept trying to... Give me heroin. And I'm like, I don't know anybody that does that. Like, I don't want no parts to that. Like, I got, you know, like one person that does that. Like, I'm not fucking with that. So it was, he's always in the back of my, in my ear. You know, let me drop you this off. Da, da, da. Kid calls me one day. He's like, I'm super dope sick. I know you could get me something. Please. I'm like, I'm like, all right, one time I'll make a call. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I make the call, I'm like, yo, he's at my crib in five minutes, drops, here, do this, this, you owe me this, rest is yours, I'm like, all right, kid comes over, I serve him, two days later, someone else comes over, all of a sudden, I'm out of everything he gave me, and I'm looking at the money, I'm like, oh, there's money in this shit, so, Blow up off of it. Like when I say blow up, you know what I am making, you know, twenty five hundred a day. Like I was never nothing. Great money. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? People come out here, I was selling fucking pounds. I was, like, I mean, I was picking up a pound at a time, you know, a couple of ounces you know. I did get up to like twenty five bricks of heroin at one time. But so by doing that, having it on me all the time, making the extra money I'm sniffing more of the cocaine that I have because I can replace it with the money that I'm making from the dope. You ever done drugs? You ever done any cocaine? Never, no. Okay. I
1: have friends that do coke. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: So, yeah, it's a fun party drug, but then you do too much. Like, you start getting this cocaine psychosis, and I would bug out. I'd be on the roof with a pistol talking about the feds are coming, freaking out, waving it around, My boys used to laugh at me and be like, yo, you get high and start looking for the police. What's wrong with you? I'm like, shut the fuck (laughs) up. So, like, I'm all geeked out one night. A bunch of people over there. We have some bitches coming over. And they're like, dog, you got to chill out. Like, you're going to scare these girls. Like, And then my boy pulls me aside. He's like, do one of those bags you got. I'm like, no, fuck that. He was like, you got to chill out. You'll you'll chill out. You'll come down. You'll, You'll be relaxed. So after going back and forth, I'm like, all right, fuck it. <laughs> Snip real bag. Instant. G mode. Feel great. Not geeking out from the coke anymore. Great night. End up laid up with something pretty. I wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh, that wasn't that all right? So now every time I'm doing too much cocaine and I get like that, I'm sniffing a bag dope. That goes on probably like two weeks i will never forget this day i wake up saturday morning like, i don't feel right I'm like something's wrong I'm like, am i sick i call one of my friends up he's like oh he's like you got a chippy i'm like a chippy i'm like what what the fuck's a chippy he was like you're dope sick i'm like "No, get the fuck out of here He was like "Sniff a bag, see what happens Sniff bag. Boom. Hot. Got my high on. I'm ready to go for the day. Did If I knew where it was going to take me, Jesus
1: Christ. So what is being dope sick exactly? As a former addict like yourself, break down what, what it is and what the feeling is.
0: So everybody experiences it differently. I mean, you're crawling out of your skin. You can't keep nothing down. You're hot and cold. Can't sleep, sweating, fluids coming out of both ends. And it's basically like COVID. After having COVID, I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is nothing. This is like being dope sick. This, that shit just light. <laughs> it's exactly what it's like. It's like having COVID. But you know you can sniff a little bag and it's going to go away. But that's with real heroin. Like the game's fucked up now with this trank and fat and all like. It does completely different things. It lasts longer. It's so fucked up.
1: When you were doing um, dope back then, were you worried about fentanyl at all, or is this a not? Different... At,
0: not at first. In the first five years, it was it was straight heroin.
1: Where, where did fentanyl come from? How did this become this this big you know epidemic?
0: I mean, how did heroin become the epidemic? You know, the government with these pills and shit. <laughs> we we'll won't get into that. So basically. I would assume to make the heroin, you know, it takes land. They got to grow it. They got to process it. All takes time and money. This fentanyl is made in a lab. They just fucking got some scientists in a lab coat fucking mixing some shit together. And poof. So people, I don't know if it's the cartels, whoever the fuck realized like, this is a lot cheaper and a lot quicker, to get a return on our money. I, th- I think that's how it would happen. I mean, that wouldn't make sense to me.
1: So they're doing it for cost purposes. Cost and time. You but know it's I mean? also... you got to
0: grow the poppy plants to process them.
1: Fentanyl is deadlier than...
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Way deadlier. Like, I mean, I guess people always OD'd off of heroin, but not like...
1: To the point where they're dying?
0: Yeah, well, well, yeah.
1: What about cocaine? Like, I know people can die from a cocaine overdose with fentanyl laced in it.
0: But that's if there's... Yeah, anything that fentanyl's touching you, you could die from I mean I shot so much cocaine like I mean So
1: will straight up coke kill you?
0: I guess you got a bad heart mm-hmm. or like you do some dumb shit but I mean I shot a lot of cocaine and like
1: Yeah that's what I've been curious about lately like there's a lot of people that come on from back in the day the era that you're talking about and they did a lot of drugs Yeah. and it just makes you wonder how the people now are dying and I guess that's when fentanyl comes it's into play because
0: it's it, I think it's because it, you know, everything is man made bullshit now. Like, at least when it was coming from a plant, it probably had some medicinal purpose at some point over the fucking years. And then when you start tinkering with that shit, it's just not the same effects. You know, it's going to do different shit to people's bodies.
1: All right. So, give me your craziest, like, all time craziest story whether it's getting arrested or as an addict or an overdose, anything, whatever your top, like, highlight was?
0: There's so many. I mean, the first one that comes to mind that most people know about and laugh about a lot. I'm at the crib. I got, like, 100 Xanax. I'm doing all types of shit to the Xanax. I'm sniffing them. I'm trying to shoot them. They're not not water-soluble. You can't even shoot them. I'm I'm trying to shoot them. I'm eating them. I'm shooting coke, I'm shooting bags. I'm all whacked out. When you do Xanax, you go to jail. Anytime i done Xanax, I pretty much <laughs> went to jail. I woke up with a green sheet like, oh, I hope I didn't kill somebody. I'm like, fuck. So I'm all whacked out of my brain. My bullet pulls up. He wanted to go grab something. We go grab something. We come back. We're chilling at the crib. And, you know, and Xanax gives you the munchies. Like, so I, the Xanax must have overpowered everything at this point, I'm fucking starving. <laughs> I go to this little Mexican bodega across from the elementary school in Belmar. I just wanted some tacos. I don't know how I looked or what was going on, but I'm trying to communicate to the lady, like, I need some tacos. And she's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I see the guy in the back, and it doesn't look like he's making tacos. So I walk back there and I'm gonna start cooking the tacos. I'm like, I want tacos. I'm like, what the fuck is this? She comes back with the broom. She's like, ah, hit me with the broom. And then, as I'm walking past the register, I look down, and I see a cigar box. And I—I to had like, like eight hundred dollars in my pocket, like. And I look in it, and there's a fifty-dollar bill in the cigar box. So I fucking take it, pay for the tacos with it, and then she's hit me with the room again to get out. So a lot of—I don't remember all of this very clearly. It went something like that. I leave, go back to the crib. Cops pull up. I'm like, fuck. I'd been in the house twice now. So my mom thinks I my mom knows I left. Doesn't know I came back to the crib. She just got out of the shower. She opens the door in her towel. She's like, where's Chad? It's wall cops. Like, wall well, police are the biggest scumbags in the fucking world. Like, fuck them. Fuck you guys. <laughs> For real. Um. So she's like, he's not here. I was like, so in my room, there's like this closet, and it went into like a crawl space. So I'm trying to hide in there, and I fucking fall through the ceiling, down the stairs, right to the police. Boom. They're like, oh. They arrest my mother for lying. Arrest me. It was on um, it was a radio station down on the shore, the Rat Radio. It's like uh, classic rock. It was like Dummy of the Week. That was pretty fucking dumb and retarded. But that's one thing that happened. And the craziest, no, but one thing that people bring up a lot, like, yo, remember that shit? <laughs> like, And I'm in the county. I'm listening to it on the radio. And I'm like, this fucking bullshit. You know, <laughs> it's dumbass tacos on a $50 bill. I wasn't even paying attention lately.
1: What, what was, like, your longest jail or prison sentence?
0: So no prison. That, shout, shout out Alex. Alex DeCivo. Is, is that guy, a lawyer? That's my lawyer. <laughs> uh, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, I met him in a sober house about uh, 12 years ago. He's got a crazy story. Uh, Send
1: him our way, man. That looks like a crazy
0: story. Absolutely. That guy was running for um, city council, You know, about to be partners in his law firm. Gets caught with hookers and crack loses everything goes through like a million dollars of stories so he could tell you about this shit he did with spending his money she's but he turned it all around he owns some sober houses now and he's helped me out a lot and he's kept me out of prison many times but yeah so no prison hella county bids
1: how what's like a longest county bid? so
0: i mean a county unless you're fighting something 364 is the most you can be sentenced to in the county is that the
1: same here I don't know. I've never really been to county jails. Yeah, you know, just
0: the just just the feds, on yeah. big boys. <laughs> just the
1: feds. I heard county jails sucks. So most, so I haven't been to a lot of county
0: jails. Um, so I've never been to prison. People in the county always tell me, you know, prison's better. Monmouth County is was pretty. Used to be pretty fucking chill. Like it was laid back. They got microwaves on every pod for three flat screens. Uh, a Basketball court right there connected to the day space and a weight room.
1: What would guys be in, in county jail for? What are some of like the charges?
0: So if anything for a drug charge to a DWI or you know they're fighting a murder case.
1: Now in county jails are there politics at all? People checking paperwork or they doing anything like that or is it is it not ran like that?
0: It's not really ran the same. Like so th- th- they separate the gangs. Like you know, the all beyond Max, you know, have you know the blood tier, the crypt tier, they try to keep them separate. The cops will tell you if there's a kitty toucher. They'll let you know, and then we we'll just get rid of them. But like, no, like super politics. Um, first time ever. The first time I went in and did a bid at eighteen, I was hanging out with a bunch of black dudes, and there were some white guys that came up to me and they were like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, I'm just chilling. Like, what the f-? like, I'm not looking at any of that. Like, and I had no idea. So I guess maybe like some old school cats. Try to do that, but it's really not run like that in the county jail. It's it's pretty soft, uh, you know. But I used to bring a lot of weed in there. You, make, you
1: would bring weed into the county jail? Yeah, absolutely. How, how do you get weed into the county jail? So the way their
0: processing used to be set up, now they got this dumbass metal detector that I thinks like an X-ray machine, but like it's only checking metal. But if you had it, like, in the sole of your... I had it mapped out after going there so many times. If you had, like, the butt in the sole of your shoe, you go into, like, tank one. Then you go get changed up, go to tank two. So if you, you stash your shit in tank one, go get changed and then go to tank two and tell the CEO, oh, I left my paperwork in tank one. I've already searched you. You go back in the tank one, grab your shit, tuck it, and then bring it upstairs. and now the whole wing smelling like Cali. <laughs> so you had this all planned out. Never, like I never had getting locked up planned out, but <laughs> I would keep you know a half ounce of sole on my shoe a lot. I mean I used to keep some boxing fucking boofed in case I got locked up, so I didn't get sick.
1: What What was it um, like detoxing while you were in these county jails? Because if you were an addict the whole time, it, it must have been rough.
0: Yeah, I so. You know, the first seven years of county time, there was no heroin. I didn't start doing heroin so I was 23 is when that started. So I didn't have to worry about that. but then when I first start going, yeah it's awful, but there's this is how I know it's mind over matter in the situation like obviously there's physical effects but when you know you're in the county and like you can't cop and you gotta go through it, like it's not as bad. You just, like, suck it up and deal with it. You know, you lay in bed for three days, fucking throw up on yourself, don't eat anything.
1: It's easier said than done, though, because I've I've seen some guys trying to sober up in jail or prison, and it's rough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it sucks, but, you know, it's three days, and you just (laughs) just lay there, and then you suck it up. You still shower, and then you're all right. You're not going to sleep for six months. That's the worst part,
1: being locked up, not being able to sleep, Mm -hmm. just laying there all night. Did you have any support system while you were going in and out of jail?
0: Yeah, my boys, my mom, you know. A girl whoever it was at the time <laughs> you've always been a player huh I, I mean, I'm, yeah I guess a little bit I'm Are married you, now you're married. married
1: now okay kids no, we're not
0: married but you know I got the love of my life we have kids you know okay. we will be married one day you know
1: that's all. how old do you know
0: just 40 you're 40 40.
1: so how long did your chaos go on for how many years of your life Jesus Christ
0: 13 14 to got okay, three years clean 38.
1: So do you ever look back and think about those years being wasted? Or do you not look at it that way?
0: I don't look at it that way because, you know, like if you look at like the word education, it derives from the, the Latin word enducata, which means learning from life's experiences. It's got nothing to do with fucking formal education, going to college. It's about learning about... What the shit you've been through. And, you know, my goal is to open sober houses and, you know, reach out to people that are struggling and help them get it right. I do a lot of community work these days. I've done coat drives. Uh, I work with a community health center. And, you know, through that all experience, all the experience I have and been through, I'm helping people now, you know. And I've been to so many different programs and rehabs. And not someone that—not to say that someone that goes to college and doesn't have any of these experiences and gets into t- the field of addiction can't help anybody. But most of the time when I was talking to someone that just had a degree on the wall and never been through shit, like, I didn't listen to him. I'm like, you, well, I'm like, you don't know what I've been through. Like, I'm not listening to you because you read some shit in a book.
1: Yeah, you, I mean, that's why, uh, what is it, peer... Recovery is so important and I got to experience that in Arkansas when I went, just seeing what the work they're doing because you can work better with people that have lived experience on the road to the recovery. I think it's a great program that they're running, a great concept. I know it's like a fairly new concept, but it's awesome. It
0: is. I I agree. A lot of good work being done. A lot more work to do, but...
1: Absolutely. Now... Someone that was using for almost what, what you'd safe to say 20 years of your life. Yeah. How do you finally or what finally kicks in mentally to get clean?
0: So in the back of my head, I always thought if I had enough money to never run out of drugs, I'd be happy. I don't know. That's what I thought. Like and at this time, I had experienced. I had pulled together like eleven months, and then went back out. So I had some time sober, and you know during that time, life was good. I start running call centers for, we'll say, for some less than ethical people, um, back and forth to Miami. So I experienced being sober, and but then when I went back, so I go back out. Forget about all that, but in the back of my mind, it's always there. That you know, there is that good life, even though I'm just way back getting high all the time, and I just want to have enough money to get high all the time. But I get put on drug court. no parts of drug court. I just wanted out of the county. I'm like, I'll sign whatever the hell you want me to sign. Put me on drug court. I move into my lawyer Alex's sober house. And I'm trying to, like, dip and dive, dabble, get high, doing all types of fucking dumbass whack shit. Like, I would pull up to the courthouse. They'd have a morning session and an afternoon session. I'd pull up to the morning session, take a registered piss cup out of the garbage can. So when I went to court, I would do the switch and then piss in it and then show the officer it was already registered. Do that, dump on them. I end up getting caught dumping on them. I go to the county for a couple days. They release me, and then I go on the run, running around. First, I'm running around in Miami County, and then it gets hot, so I go to Newark. I'm in Newark for, like, four months, and then I get tired of Newark, and I head down to Miami, out there, all South Florida, just running around been going back and forth to florida for 20 years i moved out there with a girl when i was 18 i have friends that live down there so i'm down there uh, and i don't know and and at this point like i had a large sum of money and i'm basically living what i thought would make me happy being able to get high every day and i was fucking miserable it was so miserable. It was just, like, I missed my family. I missed my kids. And it was so wild out there. I was fucking... thought I was in GTA running around with the Haitians. Like, I can't believe I survived that shit. Fuck. But, so I come home. And I'm like, all right. How's the best way to maneuver this? And this, I've been on the run for about two years now. Like, What's the best way to maneuver this? call Alex, and come up with a game plan, I go to Integrity House. I'm like, all right, I'm going to complete a program, a long-term program, then turn myself in. COVID hits. It's fucking madness at these places. There's no staff. It's stories about that shit, too. Like, no staff for four months, all the COVID's going on. But during this time, my mom gets sick. She had... Got skin cancer. She was on treatment. Thought everything was all right, and she you know, she smuggled my phone to me. I'm texting her, and her texts are like super off. One day, something like, oh, there's something wrong. I hit some of my boys. I hit my girl. I'm like, someone's got to go check on Mama Jane. Like something's not right. They go, and uh, the, the cancer had spread to her brain. So. They tell me, like, yeah, like, uh, there's something wrong. So I come home. At this point, once the cancer spread of the brain, it took her out in, like, two weeks. So it takes her out. We have her funeral. I'm, like, super depressed. I lo- thought I was, like, on the road to do the right thing. I was going to turn myself in, complete this program. That happens. I start getting high again. I don't, I'm not, I'm just copping and going to bed. And I don't think I talked to anybody for three months. My girl, nobody. Just get high and lay there. But I still—I mean, I was still—you know—I had to do a couple sales here and there, make some money to continue to do what I was do. A kid must have got caught up doing some dumb shit. Brought the sheriff's to my house. I served him. I follow him outside as he's walking to the car. These dumbass sheriffs that brought him there run down on him. I see this take off, Pewm! I'm on my Jason Bourne shit. I'm on Pete and Elder's roof, running through chicken fucking coops. It's fucking I get away. So now I can't go back home. I don't want my girl to get charged with harboring a fugitive. My number one's gone. I'm like, damn. I'm like, what the fuck? And I like in the back of my head, I'm like remembering, you know how great I felt when I was sober. I've experienced having this money and being miserable, and I did something I'd never done in my life. I was like, fuck it. I went to the county jail, picked up the bail phone, and I was like, I'm here, tapped out. They come get me, process me. I call my lawyer. I'm like, I'm done. It's over with. Just send me to prison. Let me get this shit over with. He's like, no. He's like, take drug court again. Don't go to prison. You go to prison, you're just going to come home and get high. He's like, you need to change your life. I'm like, all right, I'll think about it. And now I'm sitting there, like, you know, getting sober again. I kick. I'm going through all the emotions. And My mom's gone. I just wasted a bunch of money. I've been gone for so long. And like, something internally just clicked. I was like, I'm not doing this shit no more. I was like, I'm getting out of here. I'll take drug court if they accept me, and then do everything they asked me to do. And I'm gonna—I knew from that point—I was like, I'm gonna use what I've been through to try to help people not have to go through the same thing or not have to suffer as long. So drug court accepts me back. I do everything they asked me to do. I jump through all the hoops. And drug court sucks in the beginning. There's a lot of—you know—there's a lot of shit you got to do. You know, people say it's worse than isp you would think isp is worse because you're coming from prison but you know, i think there's more hoops in drug court and people say it's a setup it's really not a setup like if you want to change your life and you want to get sober the program will help you do it they're not out to get you you signed up this is what you need to do and it really it saved my life you know shout out kyle the supervisor he's a good dude it You know, with that, being on that program for whatever it was, two and a half years, you know, helped me stay focused. If there was any times that I thought about slipping, I knew I was never going back to jail. Because my last, like, county used to never bother me. That last bit I did when I turned myself in, that shit was rough. It was different. Unfortunately, I hate to say it, but, like, (laughs) jail's for, like, young boys. Like, I'm over that shit. Like
1: Yeah.
0: And so, you know, that's what I did. I did that and i just been on the mission to you know try to help suffering addicts every day and i still i know i do the music you know with my partner mickey that's out in the room you know on the Rocks entertainment we're doing a show tonight um
1: what kind of show like a rap show yeah it's
0: like a hip hop show
1: oh that's cool what what's like your rap name tony do Tony dude Tony do du. How do you spell Dew, D-O? Or? D-E-E-W. D-E-E-W.
0: T-O-N-Y-D-E-E-W. Where do
1: you get that name from? Well,
0: backwards, it's weed, why not?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think that trauma leads to addiction, but it could also help, tra- a traumatic experience could also trigger then someone to get clean?
0: I agree with that statement. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily know if there was any trauma in my life that, led me to the addiction. People will say, like, you grew up with your father, and that happened. Like
1: That's traumatic in a way. Is it? Like, I mean, Uh maybe, I guess it is. It's it's an unstable
0: household, maybe? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I I wasn't really, I didn't look at it. Like, it didn't really bother me. Maybe, like, deep down inside, like, somewhere, like, it did, but, like... Maybe you don't know
1: it affected you at the time. That
0: could be it, but... Yeah, but your statement's definitely true. Like, I used to argue with the counselors. Like, no, like it wasn't touched. Like, nothing happened to me where, like, I ran to drugs. Like, I tried one drug, I liked it. I tried another drug, I liked it. And it fucking just kept going. I hate that shit when they say, like, marijuana is, like, a gateway drug. Like, marijuana's not a, weed's not a fucking gateway drug. Mm-hmm. The only gateway is, like, if you're smoking weed, you might end up around some people that are doing other drugs. But you're not, you don't smoke a joint and then say, oh, I don't want to go smoke crack now. Like, it's not how it works. You might be around some other people that have other drugs. You might try it. But you know what I mean? When they say, like, marijuana, is, I don't buy that shit.
1: What are some of the biggest, like, misconceptions about addiction that people who have never been addicted before uh, misconceive?
0: That it's a fucking disease. Like, I, and I used to not think that too. But, like, and if you have a hard time thinking of it that way, like. When you do drugs, are you in dis-ease of yourself? You are. Like, it really is. Like, you know, people that are addicts, they don't, most of the time, at some point, they don't even want to be doing what they're doing anymore. But they don't know how to stop or they can't stop. They don't want to be sick. And they still have to go to work. They still have to raise their kids. They still have to do everything they have to do. They can't just time out and fucking lay there fucking two weeks or however long it's going to be now with the fentanyl. The so fentanyl and trank is super different. That shit. The trank is giving people their own psychosis. It's opening wounds. It's a fucking bull tranquilizer.
1: Yeah, but, I saw someone that we just had from Philly the other day who was showing us pictures yeah. of what, what it's doing to people's skin and shit.
0: Yeah, it's it doesn't it's matter skin. if you shoot it, sniff it, smoke it, it will do that.
1: Why are people doing this?
0: I mean, they, it, they just want to get high. They're not like...
1: And is this – is it easy, easier to access? That's all
0: that's – there. There's no, you, there's no heroin anymore. Like you do some drug tests and the heroin, opiums, opiates are not popping up. Mm-hmm. You got to dipsticks, fentanyl and trank. And they're putting the trank in the coke. They're putting it in the weed. I don't know who's doing it. Like, but it's just killing people.
1: Mm-hmm. What are um, – do you ever have temptations to use again? And how do you kind of fight off those temptations?
0: So with the opiates, no, and then drinking, no. Because like I know I could probably have like two beers, I might be able to do that for a year. I might be able to do that for two years, but eventually, I'm gonna may have two beers and a shot. If I get too tipsy, I'm gonna end up on a block smoking crack, shooting dope. You know what I mean? Like that's what's gonna happen. So I know like drinking will always lead me there. The opiates? Not at all. Like after everything I've been through, after all the people I've buried, like, it's like I sent my three best friends. But, but besides that, like countless kids I grew up with, dead, overdosed. Every I hate the guy. am like scared to go on Facebook sometimes and look at it because like, you never know like what R.I.P. you're going to see next.
1: Yeah, that's a reality of today's world. All the time, I'm on Facebook and I'm seeing friends from high school, people yeah. I knew. Someone's passing away every day, absolutely, and a lot of it is drug use and substance use. What yeah. would you say to an individual that's using right now, if you if you could offer some piece of advice to them, if they're struggling to find help?
0: Don't give up. You can do it. Like I know it sucks now, but you know, just stay focused. You know, reach out to someone. I don't know why that helps so much, but, like, you know, picking up the phone and talking to someone, people, like, don't think that works, but that, that really works. Like, I don't know where you're at. I mean, go to your local community health center. Like, there's people there that care and will help you. I and mean, You could, you can could always hit me up online, too. Shit, I'll talk to you if you're feeling some type of way need Mr. Some Dewey. Help. <laughs> yeah, The real Tony Dew on Facebook and IG. For real, holler at me. I'll get you set up somewhere.
1: Now, as someone that ended up in jail a lot of times because of your addiction did the jail help you at all like are these officers trying to help you overcome your addiction or is it just lock you away throw you away the key and that's it yeah
0: that's all i mean some of the officers are cool some of them suck but like there's no fucking I and mean, there's no rehabilitation in jail it's a fucking daycare <laughs> like, this one, you know what i mean like not helping you get better They've had to change with the times and start offering Suboxone. You know, so many people are coming in dope sick. But, yeah, it's no rehabilitation. It's, you know, you sit down. Get your weight up. And you know.
1: and and there could be other drugs in the jail, too. Absolutely.
0: You know how much money you can make off of suboxin in a jail? A lot. Um, yeah, they were
1: sending in the sheets of paper and
0: what? $100 for an 8 milligram. I'm so sick in the head. To this day, I'm like, I should just go do a two-week bid and bring in 50 with me and come out with 10 grand.
1: How would, if, if you had to do it now, how would you do it? Like, how would you get drugs into a jail? Is it, I would do that would just, easy? Yeah, just
0: swallow, balloon them. You know what I mean? That dumbass $50,000 machine they have, like... Did they... you ever
1: balloon drugs? Yeah. You absolutely. ballooned a drug? Absolutely. Walk me through that process.
0: So would you just, I mean, it's putting it in a balloon?
1: Like a regular, like, water fountain balloon, like, the for the water balloons. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I tried a couple different ones, choked a couple times trying to get it down. So there was, there was a couple times, like, I had to go to court... For like municipal charges, that I knew I was going to get 30 days, 90 days. So I'm like, all right, let me get this tobacco and shit ready. <clears throat> and, you know, just fucking Vaseline, get it wet, make sure that's not too big so you don't choke and fucking swallow them. You know, the worst part is when it comes out, having to fucking get the gloves and go through it and fucking. You know.
1: So is this considered key or or? No? Well, no, keyster, you know, would you're shoving tuck, it up. Yeah, tucking so it. what is this process uh, called? Ballooning, swallowing. So you swallow it and then you just poop it out? Yeah. And the drugs are in the balloon? In the balloon. Does it ever get stuck or it always comes out? It's always going to come out eventually. I think I've
0: lost a bag <laughs> once or twice. And it just sits in your stomach forever? Well, no, it's going to come out eventually, but it might not come out right away. And then, you know...
1: But so if you – say you go into jail on a Tuesday and you balloon it, right, and you swallow it, put it in. If you poop on Wednesday, is there a good chance that that's coming out? Absolutely. Yeah. And you have First, to pick through your poop?
0: Yeah. You got to go get some gloves yeah. from the CO's desk and go through it, you know, put it out, re-separate it. This is wild. It's, it's fucking wild. It's fucking jail. I and mean, you figure out, you know, lighting cigarettes with batteries. I'm sure you've seen that. Have you seen that, right? Yeah, of like, course.
1: And guys will then smoke the, the absolute, drugs that have been up your ass.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. It is wild, right? It was like, what the fuck? And you make oh, some good money the, too.
1: What's like the next five years look like for you? What What's the future for Chad?
0: The future is, you know, keep going with you know on the rocks entertainment. You know, me and Mickey also we do this show. Um, it's on Tubi called Bishop and Chaney. Shout out Millimeter Mac. It's uh, we play undercover cops out of all things. I was reading that. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> play a cop, so yeah. you're an actor too. Yeah, I play a DT cop, dopey. They got a lot of dope stuff going on. You know, juicy web series, Bishop and Cheney, uh, Waymore Place movie coming out. So you know, I will. I love to be a villain in a Marvel movie. <laughs> And get Kanye to do a, produce my album. We got the same birthday, Kanye. Holla at your boy. June 8th. Gemini's, I don't think, I don't think you want to
1: be uh, uh, associated with Kanye right now. Uh, but... I love Kanye. <laughs>
0: like,
1: Old Kanye. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. I still got love for him. That's Dude, funny. He needs some help. You holla at me. So, <laughs> so
1: you play this cop? Is this like a career?
0: I mean, who knows? Uh, <laughs> that would be great. So like, you got paid for uh, it? No, Not yet. Okay. Uh, so we're, we're working on that. Um, It was a YouTube series Mm to be picked it up. We're doing season two. I guess after if they like season two is when a contract comes into play and they're like, yeah, give us five of these. And then (laughs) boom, then we get some bread.
1: Oh, man, that's great, man.
0: I would love to open a sober house, too, uh, just because, like, I know there's so many people in jail and prison that don't have an address. And could get paroled or ISP and can't come home because they got nowhere to go. I would love to do, like, a sober house connected with the prison. Interesting. Because that's the, like, number one thing. Like, these people on the streets trying to get better, they can't get better if they have nowhere to go. Like, you're sleeping on the street. Your whole survival is about probably nicking diamonds, stealing this and that, getting someone something. Like, you're stuck in that cycle. Like, until you could go somewhere and have, you know, your own space... And work on getting your life together, like, you know, so, like, and there's not enough of them. There's a housing crisis with just regular people trying to rent and buy houses, you know, and people trying to get it together. That's another goal, you know, sober house, marry the girl. Have a kid. (laughs) No more kids. No more kids. No more kids. No, No, (laughs) we're done with that.
1: Chad, thank you for coming on the show today, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I wish you the best of luck at your show tonight. That's right. And the future and, you know, keep being an advocate for those who have went through or are going through what you've struggled with and have been able to overcome.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely.